Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Bruce, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. You're in front of the Statue of Liberty and your books are floating in midair. I love it. Thank you very much. It's good to see you. Good to be with you. I have to ask you, the 60th anniversary is coming up for JFK. It seemed to me, I think from what I've heard, it's going to be kind of this big all out endeavor, um, maybe the last hurrah for some of this stuff. And we've already gotten statements like documents aren't going to be released anymore. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on all this. I mean, it's been 60 years. My thoughts are are either complex or just very fuzzy because it means so much and it's so poignant that it's so long ago. And I've been studying this really hard for many, many, many years and just have such an appreciation of what a turning point it was in American history. I know there's a couple, at least two big conferences in Dallas on the 60th anniversary or the week right before with tremendous researchers and authors who've been studying this for a long, long time, whose hearts are still broken, not only for a president that many of them were alive to love, but also how America went down the drain with John F. Kennedy and the major others of the 1960s that were taken from us, Robert Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, so who are we mourning, Robbie? We're mourning, you know, America. We're mourning our own uh, innocence, our own potential, especially if it causes people to comprehend and see how authority has been taken from us, the people, how the national security state, which I believe took out, I'm convinced took out President Kennedy, now controls the country, has a death grip around our throats. And the last thing we are is a, a nice little constitutional republic whose representatives will listen to and work on behalf of the welfare of we the people. That's still on paper. And yet all that is gone with the wind. And the only hope might be the fact that when enough human beings in America want you put enough pressure to flush the corruption and the criminals out of the system, something's going to give. It might not be one all-encompassing revolution of truth and honesty and justice. It might be a million fracturing points of breaking of the chokeholds all over the country at local levels. And there's just so much, so much comes to mind, Robbie, contemplating the significance of the 60th anniversary of the assassination of President Kennedy on November 22nd. When you say like force of authority, or I guess we're talking about the government, but do you think it's like a political party that's in charge of that? I This you probably come across with the JFK. All right, good. Because that's I mean, that's what I think. I think the the government or what I would call this deep state which is what I refer to it. I think it's a good t term, even though it's been hijacked and used in various ways. But I think if you really examine it, it kind of hijacks whatever political party it's got the most popularity. Like I would consider most of the government probably left, more leftist thinking. A lot of big tech companies are leftist thinking when it comes to censorship issues and things of that sort. And then there's, it's weird because even with like the pandemic, a lot of the people that speak out about the pandemic are on the right or their conservative that I've spoken to. So it's hard to see, like, it's not a certain party's notion getting inserted, but the government kind of flows in between them and then hijacks them and uses them, if that makes any sense. 
Yeah, right now the political parties, I think, are just theater companies that the oligarchs use. It's the it's the history of mankind that the rich organize their power to own and control everything and exploit the masses to the greatest extent possible to torture and experiment on them and now eliminate them because with technology, they just don't need this many humans to be and control uh, what they want. So we are a living, breathing example of fascism, which is literally the blending of corporate and state power. But above the corporate, you know, who, who owns the corporations? You know, it's a finite group of people. And they're not all in collusion. There are many, many factions. It's it's like high school all over again, just with big budgets and weapons and psychopaths. And for instance, I'm convinced that this country has many, many different intelligence agencies that sometimes work together and sometimes compete. Every country has many, many intelligence agencies that sometimes work together and sometimes compete. And all those intelligence agencies of different countries sometimes work together and sometimes compete with the agencies of the other countries. And there are corporations that are bigger, more powerful, and richer than many, many nations. And they have secret intelligence operations and secret action arms that are wrestling to compete and to control resources and puppet governments and puppet officials and the media. So that's the tsunami of the fire hose of mis and disinformation that has all of us spinning. And that's why there's just countless horrible things, inexplicable things from fires to weather events to all the evidence for so many decades of high technology that we have no idea about, the great possibility, if not likelihood, that so many weather events are created. Fires all... So, and also, Robbie, we might be lucky that because they're competing and contending with each other, do they hold them in check? You know, if they if they worked more well together, would they have enslaved us 10, 15, 20 years ago? You know, are things, do they, do they kind of, are, are they kind of stuck wrestling with each other so they don't get to, you know, bring the hammer down as much as they want or they could because they've got competing factions? That's the swirl that I see as I continue to study and look into all these type of things. Do you think a lot of these motions are things to make the elite class basically eliminate? Obviously, it's not really a middle class anymore, but it's to make the bigger gap between the elite class and obviously where we're at as the people lower class. There's a giant significant gap. And I, I think you know you have interesting people, billionaires, these types of people that really – do weird things. Bill Gates is one of them. I don't know why he gets his hand involved in so many things like trying to launch a missile at the sun to dissipate particles, to dim the atmosphere and all that is nuts. Nobody, you shouldn't have that much money. If you're thinking about stuff like that, you didn't know about that. It, it rings a bell, but I, I would, that's, that's great. No, it was that's... about, it was about climate change. He actually legit had an idea to launch a missile into the atmosphere. Into dissipate... the atmosphere. I didn't know about trying to attack the sun that would be pretty cool he wanted he wanted to dissipate particles to try and yeah, dim no, the sun heard, basically yeah. i've heard that kind of stuff i don't know if i heard it from a definitive you know because there's a lot of claims out there like you were saying before the show about documenting everything we you know we, we see in here but that's the kind of thing i would bet because over the decades of looking at this kind of stuff 
there were things that you can kind of quickly confirm with enough corroboration, different sources, eyewitness testimony. And then there are things on the fringe that are like, well, that's kind of outlandish. But as time goes by and you keep reading and researching, the more outlandish stuff becomes true and becomes true. And it gets moved into the, you know, into my certainty column. And that's one of the things that, like, I bet before long I'm going to bump into stuff that says, oh, yeah, that's absolutely. Oh, well, yeah, he was, table. he was interviewed on NPR about it. <laughs> See, <laughs> they, there it is. They so asked wild. him about it. And he goes, yeah. oh, the conspiracy people took me out of context. I'm like, no, sure. we're just asking you to, you know, explain what you were trying to do. He's just trying to help with climate change, he said. And, and you know, and nobody might have a number or a date by 2045. We have to eliminate half the world's population. There may not be anything like that. They've got so much power and control and wealth, Robbie, that they're just experimenting with us now. They're just experimenting with us now. Oh, yeah. And why not try to groom us into these 15-minute smart cities where we're totally enslaved with a universal basic income that comes with the requirement of taking the medication that they want us to take as younger generations are completely brainwashed and hypnotized and entranced with virtual reality until they're wearing a headset and they've never set foot on real grass or earth. They've never sat under the sun under a blue sky. They've lived their whole lives indoors. And that's where the Matrix and Wally, the cartoon, and um, Elysium, I think, with Matt Damon, all, all that becomes very predictive programming. You know the scenarios, you know. I've definitely become more conspiratorial through, uh, obviously, all the JFK stuff, a lot of the polit Mostly, I just like political assassinations, I think, is should be well known for a lot of people that it's a it was a tool they used back then whether they still use it today if you want to talk about any list of the clintons or anything that's going on with them but there's even some stuff that doesn't make sense today like a investigative journalist michael hastings that died a while back because his car went 150 something miles an hour straight into a wall um you know i read his autopsy report and there was even the doctor that was doing the autopsy he was talking about there's like things that he has marks and issues on his body that came pre the car accident where i'm like i don't know anything about that but i don't put any of that all that stuff to me i used to be like nope toss it out throw it out it doesn't make sense um consider me naive i guess what was he researching something around the clintons and the dmc and the nomination of hillary i thought it was with obama because he happened to get a report when he went overseas of a bunch of people in russia that were in like the middle of war basically that were talking about the president in very bad ways it's guys blowing off steam but i guess they didn't think he was going to take it back to the thing he exposed a lot i know that much for the time he was out there doing stuff right i may have been confusing him with i think seth rich he's the fellow who found uh, incriminating evidence of manipulating i think the hillary uh, or the nomination in 2016 if i mean you may have that wrong but but even we say it. that people listening much like i would have in the past would be like that sounds crazy i'm not there don't even get me world population still sounds a little bit crazy but i think it's because they don't paint it as that and using that language is much like saying conspiracy people just tune out even though we know conspiracies are real it starts with something let's take 9-11 for instance we're going to implement these things to try and stop terrorism and protect our people look where it's gone now i mean the government now it's corporations as well too whether they're in company with the government that are monitoring you now they have channels that are going above and beyond what they're normally there to just play videos like youtube like how much of your show can go on youtube for certain things i've had to read their whole guidelines and pay attention to everything now because you'll get a thing flagged if you happen to say anything that could be taken as conspiratorial yeah we don't I, there's no effort i make no effort to put my episodes on youtube you know from tnt radio 
because it's a free speech platform and the conversations are un, unrestricted, unhampered. And but you're but you're absolutely right to that kind of censorship. I've got a meme in my head that I'm I'm designing, which simply says, "You must read books to learn how authority lies. Authority is not going to tell you." And it'll probably feature someone in a COVID mask because I want to reach Robbie, the people who think they're being good citizens, who work for all the hospitals and all the clinics, who are helping facilitate the horrible agenda from authority because from kindergarten through their graduate degrees, they think they're the smart ones because they work for institutions of quote unquote authority, hospitals, clinics, insurance companies. HMOs, and they're facilitating these crimes against humanity, which is what that whole medical effort is, just to talk about the medical stuff. But you did mention 9-11 and JFK, and these are, this is the season. You know, it's mid-September, early September, and I want to let you uh, develop that or let's go there if you want to, you yeah. know. I want to, well, obviously your book talks about JFK and 9-11, um, but I want to kind of hit into this area where it's like the spectacle like this giant show that always has to happen that apparently the public just appeases or they need or something like that. And it's much like with our institutions, for instance, our health institutions, anything that our government, people need belief in something. They need a structure of something. They need something like this that they can be like, this is good. It's pure. It's all this. But we all know that they're corrupt. We all know that there's money and business influences and all these little things out of Pandora's box have infested it and corrupted so. But we still like to have optimism as people. And I just, at this point, I don't know how you could educate the people anymore. I just think people are just kind of either want to keep their head down and go away, or they just still have this sense of trust a little bit. Like everything now boils down into a certain political person, either Biden or Trump. And I'm like, none of that matters if we're talking about a right now current issue of something that's not even connected to any political party. It's a, it's a hospital. It shouldn't have a bias. It should be trying to help people. Yes, and Dr. Naomi Wolf and her team at DailyCloud.io are ferocious and furious about the harms caused by the COVID shots. I oh, can't say that on YouTube. Oh, well, you'll do a little editing there. Um, <laughs> anyway, maybe because I handle this stuff every day now for years and years it's my normal because i just was thinking of do you want me to put it on spotify and we can go into all the COVID stuff i'm happy to do that uh, i like a video version spotify's audio only no you'll have video for spotify too it's your call i don't mind keeping it youtube friendly because it's i'd rather get the full experience before i wrap it up you know what i mean all right well then leave all this in and we'll talk about let's get um, into it well, this is what I've recently, you know, seen. Naomi Wolf is is continuing to have her team of volunteer experts analyze the Pfizer documents that were pulled out about how they developed their shot, and now the Moderna documents that finally got force released, I believe, by court order, and how horrible they knew it was before they released it, and now the documentation of uh, the harm to women's reproduction. Okay, so I think she said yesterday in a live stream, Robbie, that. Births are down in America between 13 and, and 20%, I think she said, you know, and the excess mortality is up this year like crazy because it's the second year of injections and boosters. I don't know, you know, so this is a this is a horrible, heinous crime against humanity that 
should have all sane people pulling their hair out and saying, I have to I have to find as many hours a day in the week that I possibly can to spread the word about it because the house is on fire. It's not something to be casual about. And it's exactly to your point to argue about Biden or Trump. We're fools. We're arguing about Punch and Judy, which are two old you know, wooden puppets. We shouldn't be arguing about which puppet we want to win. You know, the house is on fire. You know, with the with the injuries and the harm uh, from the medical stuff. So, I don't want to keep rambling about that. Well, but we had people trying to warn us before, and we never listened, or uh, some of us didn't. Not all of us, obviously, not me or you. But Kerry Mullis is a good example. He warned us from a while back when he was sitting there in his whatever kitchen or living room, getting interviewed, talking about Dr. Anthony Fauci and warning us about the, these people that we have in our government that we're supposed to be not only holding accountable for their actions, but also listening to them and taking everything as they say as gospel. I mean, they're talking about lockdowns again, man. And people are talking about another shot, bringing back masks. Well, we lucky we had one state ban it already, but this is a big concern for a lot of people because I think now people are, some are falling back into it and ready for it. But a lot of people are very concerned about are what are they going to lose this time? We saw small businesses take the biggest hit. There might there might be a percentage of people who who always get concerned about the truth and try to do good. And I think that everyone like you and I needs to inspire, let's say all of our listeners who've never done anything like create a podcast or even brought up an awkward topic at work or at the dinner table, everyone has to be challenged to look at the facts and figures about the harm and be challenged to open their mouth about it every single day. Just as an exercise in conscience and with the fantasy that it could do some good, because we'll always hear the argument you can't fight City Hall. These powers are too entrenched. There's nothing we can or should rightly do about it. And there's no fun in that. There's no challenge in that. There's no there's no courage in that. There's no righteous indignation. There's no there's no honor in that. So you and I can or or don't have to spend another day of our life trying to spread the truth because we've done more than a lot of people ever do, you know, in their whole lifetime already, but we should, and we should always put into every message. You who have never done a thing before to spread the truth or have an awkward conversation, you must experiment today with it. And here's the promise. If for the first time in your life today, somebody tries to bring up 9-11 or the Kennedy assassination or COVID-19 or the vaccine injury for the first time in their life, to 10 people, you are going to be blown away by the fun you experience by seeing the spread of responses. Folks who shoot you down, folks who are so uncomfortable they can't even talk about it with you and the conversation doesn't even get started. And the folks who say, absolutely, absolutely, it makes no sense. It's absolute nonsense. They've been lying to us for decades. And you will discover for yourself the, the fun of trying to have those conversations. Well, what do people that deny that there's any vaccine side effects, what do they say to the people that experience them? 
the there's a number a whole I stop I wouldn't have them on my show because it would put me in an anti-vax category to where it would hinder academic guests from wanting to correspond in that argument. But then what do you say to the people that have been saying UFOs aren't real, like Mick West and all these skeptics that have been going out there saying that you're a nut job if you believe aliens are real and then the government has a UAP hearing, which was garbage, by the way. But it's like, what do you do then? Like the, the government ends up leaving the people that were ending up supporting them and defending them all this time speechless at some of their actions that they do. And then we end up dividing amongst ourselves. But if you come across someone saying vaccines never cause a side effect or take your shot and you'll never get COVID, and then you end up getting COVID, and then you end up seeing someone who has a vaccine side effect, do you just chalk it up to, oh, that's just a, a rare anomaly that happens, much like Michael Shermer mentions about the JFK case? Just rare anomalies that keep popping up all over the place. Is it really? I don't, nobody can be that ignorant to seeing the fact or just seeing changes in what they were originally spouting off in the first place and want to sit there and with a knowing conscious that's what's surprising to me it's not the people's reaction of not caring i understand it's stressful as shit but the people that doubled down on it over and over again like fauci just had emails leaked recently talking about that they had to do everything to make sure it didn't point towards this lab and i'm like i'm sorry I, to me that's a really big I issue especially they base so much things on the spectacle how much this is like the spectacle of the show. And then it's like, okay, well then we're coming to you for tickets, man. And the tickets are payment for everything you told us before. That was a lie. Hmm. No one conversation is going to convert anybody. And it's fun to monitor one's own feelings and not get too upset or frustrated anymore. And it's easier as you get older, Robbie. I got good news for you. I got a bunch of decades on you. and I'm waiting for a throat shot, I'm telling you. Uh, you're not getting no throat shot. God forbid. But keep on. Well, you never know. <laughs> it might be a badge of honor anymore. Um, wow. What was I going to say? Oh, just, you know, to, to to just not yell and scream, you know. I'm old enough to remember when cable TV got big because on cable versus we used to just have network and there was a propriety. Wasn't a lot of swearing, wasn't a lot of dirty jokes, but on cable, all of a sudden there was, and there was a daytime talk show called the Jerry Springer show. And this guy would have white trash people argue about their stuff. Stu stupid cheating and lying on each other until they were throwing chairs okay i watched it okay great well that was a huge turning point in the country because now the the supposed highest class political discourse is a food fight it's a cafeteria food fight with the disrespect and the name calling and the trashification of your opponent or adversary and you have to make a decision about how how classy or not am I willing to go? So when you bring up a hot topic and someone doesn't want to talk about it or they get mad and they start yelling at you, they've been trained by TV about how to have a conversation and it's not civilized, it's not humane, it's not productive, it's not dignified. It's beneath someone who's got self-respect. So like everything, Rob, you know what it really comes down to is like everything we think about everything shows us what we think about ourselves that's really what it comes down to. And I want to try to have intelligent conversations, but if someone would listen, you, you can't force them to listen. If they'll listen a little bit, it's fun to say, 
Joe, you can find experts that say Fauci's right, and you can find experts that say he's lying. But you got to listen to them both and make up your own mind. You've got to put yourself into the equation as the decider. Otherwise, you're a sheep. You're not thinking for yourself. And you can be manipulated. And people, abusers, will do whatever they want with you. Well, do you think lying is still lying if it lied for a good purpose? Well, Plato, um, <laughs> that's... Let me let me think about that. Lying is lying if it's lying. Okay, it's lying. Whether or not it's for a good purpose is probably very subjective, and it's probably also very, very short term. It's not a policy. It's not a sustainable policy. If it's supposed to, if we're talking about any issue, for, uh, any public health issue or any public policy issue or governmental, there's no place for it in in politics or government or public life. Or even honest, healthy relationships between friends, families, lovers, business partners, customers, and prov service providers. Deception is the original corruption that eventually that that un unstopped or uncorrected leads to the worst abominations and the most hideous, heinous tortures. I know we didn't plan on what we were going to talk about this episode, but this is obviously how I do my show. I'm a conversationalist. I like to learn things from people, but I'm always happier when someone I'm not saying you, I'm saying about the lying topic. When we talk about lying, Fauci lied about masks. He said that obviously you can put anything on your face. It'll be okay. And it was to save those N95 masks for those health workers. And people go, well, he lied for a good cause. He was trying to help with the coworkers. I was like, yeah, but it's still a lie, right? Are you going to trust that person the same? But people did because it was seen as like a white knight act. And I was like, well, I don't know about you and I don't know about anybody else, but I feel a thousand times more comfortable when someone tells me they don't know. Just be honest. I'll be the first one to tell you I don't know, but I'm here trying to talk to people and try and figure it out for my, you know, through whatever, but they never show you anything. Lying is a deal breaker, but we got to remember we're talking about Americans. And in my opinion, far too many Americans, because 90% go through public school. And I believe the major impact of that experience is to train people not to think for themselves, to trust and obey authority and to not develop their own judgment, and to not want to make decisions, not want to discern or have to decide if something is true or false, because we didn't develop our ability to critically think and analyze. So if someone could heal from all that, and by the time they're mid to late adulthood, have a handle on wanting to evaluate and think for themselves, we can disqualify liars the split second we know that they're a liar and never trust them again. And I think that's actually an axiom in law. I think judges instruct juries, if a witness is found to be lying, you must disregard everything you've heard them say through the whole trial. Even if they were telling the truth, you wouldn't even know anymore because once somebody lies, Robbie, they're disqualified. Now, for humans to have that in their teens, 20s, 30s, and 40s, you have to be raised in a culture that stands on that, that reinforces that, that honors the truth. And we haven't had a culture like that, arguably, since President Kennedy was shot in 1963. And that's it, it fuels the war against all the war of all against all, which is an ancient concept 
And that's where demagogues step in to protect you from the chaos of life. That's how a tyrant comes in. Life is unknowable and unmanageable for you regular people. But I, from my exalted position and my honored birth lineage and my the powers of the throne and the powers of government, I can protect you because we know the secrets. We've got the secrets. That's the national security state. Trust us because we know the secrets. We're the experts. Fuck you is what I say to that. What do you do to shake a demagogue's power? Find the truth to the best of your ability and stand on the truth and spread the truth and discuss the truth and debate the truth with everybody that you can. Because a demagogue, a tyrant, you know who Sophie Scholl was, the 17-year-old, I think, in Germany or Austria, right? And her brother on some campus under the Nazi reign in their in a little room, they printed little pamphlets exposing some, you know, the Nazi lies, and then they got arrested and they got hung. 17 years old, the car. White tulips, right? I think that's the story of, of her story. Yeah. So it's just about the truth. It's about saying the emperor has no clothes. And then eventually it's really about appreciating the miracle that was the American Revolution, a society founded on the belief that all men are created equal and are endowed with certain inalienable rights, and only those laws are just that, that's, that are derived from the consent of the governed participating in some kind of representative form. You Don't you think it gets worse if the people start trying to rise up or start talking about the, these types of truths? Well, temporarily it might get worse with you know lockdowns and, and, and crackdowns and things like that. But I'm reminded of what Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote in the Gulag Archipelago uh, as a victim of Stalin's oppressive political regime, ostracized off to Siberia in a slave labor camp. Something to this effect, how we burned while they were in the camp, realizing if only when the soldiers first came to arrest the troublemakers, instead of all hiding in our apartments while we heard them on the stairs getting the one guy that they came for, because eventually they came for everybody. If when that first started, Robbie, if we had all attacked them, with knives, forks, spoons, brooms, whatever we had, each and every time, to teach the government, like, no, you can't overstep your rightful bounds. So that's where it ultimately goes. Until so, and so, until you draw the line and call a liar a liar, if you don't call a liar a liar, then you can't call a crook a crook. Then you can't call a rapist a rapist. Then you can't call a murderer a murderer, and then you're fucked. So, like, I've kind of thought about this question for myself, which is, like, the idea of a president of who's going to obviously, who's someone that we need someone up there. I know you have RFK Jr. in your head. I have to ask about meeting him because I, I want to know what that was like, um, at least going to his conference and if people were all in support of him or there new people there that were kind of listening to his message and realizing he's not this anti-vaxxer that he gets painted out to be. He just has seen studies to be able to show people that there's obviously not all the full information given to 
the public. Um, but I think you need someone to dedicate their whole term, and it's going to suck. He's probably not going to get votes for it, but they need to dedicate their whole term to rooting out corruption. That means insider trading. That means all those things that go on in Congress. You need to start putting limits on things. You need to start cleaning out a lot of this bad stuff because we don't have anybody that's in a position of power that's willing to do that. Anybody that shows up on the Congress floor, anybody that shows up in the House, whatever you want to say, if they try and speak out about insider trading, you're not just fucking with the left. You're fucking with the right. And nobody, everyone's going to team up on you and it's not going to be fun for you. It's not going to make you easier. It's much like the ignorance is bliss pill. Like if you just take the pill and you don't have to worry about it, you don't have all the stressors. Some people really prefer that. Most people really prefer that. I would too, if I could live without knowing some certain things or learning about certain things on accident, realizing that there's a whole deep down rabbit hole. But now that I know, I, I'm glad I do know because I have the safety in that. But there's not an incentive to want to do that because all of society is being mechanically engineered to reduce that to nothing. And it's not the people, it's just the news, it's all these things that get the major platforms. I mean, we got another JFK film coming out this year that's not just David Mamet's, but it's the history channels or the whatever they're doing. And my when I told my buddy that, he goes, so that one's going to be the most bullshit, right? I'm like, thank you. That's what it's going to be. We know who's in it. We know all the lone nutters that are involved in that one. But there's a lot of people that like this building up of this you know bliss model this thing of i don't have to worry about that because i have to feed my kids and i understand that and i don't blame them for that but when you do know and you do get exposed to it where does that leave you to do anything to be able to succeed on independent platforms i don't think in independent journalism or all that is even a construct anymore i think you get some valuable time on twitter you get some valuable time on your own websites but the one that's pumping in on the TV is where you need to be. Well, there's a couple of major ways that occur to me about what you just described, how to make a living or how to be quote unquote successful as a journalist. And just how, what, what do you do once you've seen enough of the truth of reality to be persuaded of how corrupt and how phony the major institutions of power are. The, the institutions that provide education, jobs, the, 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 the big companies, whether they're in broadcast or entertainment or, or food or the healthcare industry, all these professions where people obey and inflict authorities policies there's a huge incentive to just keep your head down and not not question modern medicine or all, what about all the doctors and nurses bruce who helped everyone wear a mask who helped everyone get on a ventilator who gave all those vaccine shots you mean they're all wrong you're not a doctor but all those doctors are dead effing wrong it's overwhelming it's overwhelming to someone putting it on the table just like that. And yet we've been in their shoes at some point in our past. We, we looked at things that made sense about something and it led to a broadening knowledge of how absolutely corrupt so many from the local to the county, to the state, local courts, to the state courts, to the federal judiciary, it's a full spectrum 
problem and to contemplate as you were doing, how do you make a living or how do you have an impact? The, there's an unspoken question of why bother? And that's a very personal thing. And the older, the oldest and the wisest say, because of your conscience, that for the sake of your integrity, which will give you courage and will, which will give you faith, it's to do the right thing because it's the right thing, whether or not you think you have a snowball's chance in hell of surviving or be being quote-unquote successful. It's just the right thing. I get that. I think everybody's got a crazy uncle or someone like their grandpa that might have, they thought at a point might have sniffed a few paint cans. And now they're realizing that they might be right about a lot of stuff that they might have been saying. I was fortunate to have a grandpa that always spouted off some things about the government or something like that, that kept me this little bit of a, not a rebellious side, but more of a questioning side of things. But I think when you have people involved in these institutions, I think it's much like the Kennedy thing. I don't think everybody was involved in some grandmaster plot, but I think that they obviously had to wrap it up. And then the people that started covering it up and started to keep going with the official narrative because there needs to be this mythical story of how this assassination occurred, I consider them at fault just as much as the people who might have actually fired the shots. Um, and this doubling down of it is a problem as well, too. And I don't think it just comes from, oh, I got a family to feed or I have to take the high road and try and say the truth because people did try that. I mean, look at the number of people that have been silent about the Kennedy assassination for so long that are coming out now or coming out last year or something like that because they're afraid of death. They're afraid that they were going to get killed, whether that's a realistic number of the number of people that died. There are suspicious ones. There are ones that don't make any sense. And those are things that I point to to people to try and get them to be like, hey, this dude being chopped up in a barrel, Johnny Roselli or Jim Cothey getting a hit in the back of the neck while stepping out of his shower. I'm like, that's on an autopsy. That's not normal. That's not anything like that or had a sudden massive heart attack while he was driving and steered into a tree or something like that. Like there's just these weird things that don't make sense, but I get it now. Like I, I never would, I don't know, asking people to take the high road for truth is something where it's like, who would, I mean, you have everything to lose. Who's Jim Cothey. That's the guy who was stepping out of the shower. He was a reporter that got into um Jack Ruby's apartment um, after he shot Oswald. He was with two cops. Larry interviewed his wife, I think. And uh, yeah, she stated to him that, yeah, it was a throat chop. And that is in the newspaper reporting on Jim Cothey as well, too. Thanks. It's endless. <laughs> the, uh, the, those, uh, those, those stories. Um, it's one, once one discovers these things behind the scenes, it's a fork in the road. It's really an, it's a chance to grow up. Because we lose we lose some innocence, and and then we're faced with the moral dilemma: What do I do? What do I do now that I have this knowledge? You know, and there's a tradition throughout Western civilization, and I'm I actually think all societies, if I remember Joseph Campbell's work, "Man with a Thousand Faces." The whole mythical analysis of the role of the hero in literature and mythologies, Robbie, it's it's perpetual. It's never ending. It's the young person's 
challenge to overcome their childhood fears, phobias, or habits for the sake of some calling for some adventure, whether it's to right a great wrong or to win the, the stolen girl back. And the treasure is guarded by the scariest dragon. And those are the classic elements of the classic mythologies and stories that have come down through all civilizations is part of being human seems to be you will be confronted with your worst nightmare and inside and on the other side of no longer running from that is where you'll find your destiny or your 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 true calling your true purpose your true self your true contribution to the tribe to the race and it's a romantic way of looking at life but it's a very empowering way of looking at life especially because that is how the real life men and women who've done the most brave and selfless things for humanity if they survive that's how they describe it and then every day of life becomes a thrilling adventure if spreading the truth finding the truth and spreading the truth about any of these very real topics becomes a real adventure for anybody you will not need to drink as much you will not need to do as many drugs and you will not need to waste as much time flipping through your phone or playing video games or binge watching netflix i have to ask because i don't think i've ever asked you this before but through your show have you become more skeptical on things like was there ever an area that you couldn't talk about or you just felt like you couldn't get with like there's some things like I mean, I wouldn't say the moon landing because that one, I don't know. I had a theory about that for a while, but I think I became more on the side of we did land there. Um, before, I thought it was just like, oh, for morale, you faked a video or something like that. But I'm curious if you had anything conspiratorial or anything that gets lumped in that group of things that you just never could get with. Like, it was just something that I was like, nah, that's not even, I don't think it's like that at all. Well, I've I've looked at what's his name Bart Sabrell, I think is the major guy who's researched the hoax evidence about the moon landing. If I had to bet, when I when I read his stuff or watch his presentations, Robbie, I'm 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 ready to as a juror to give my verdict that the landings were hoaxed. Okay. Um, am I certain? I did a whole episode on it with uh but Joe Green and Richard Bartholomew. So I was in that boat for a while. I just think at this point now, I don't know. I, it does seem like they would take a lot more, but. No, if I had to bet, I certainly recommend anybody check out his word. Bart Sabrell, S-I-B-R-E-L-L, I think is that fellow. Most compelling, most, most compelling. No, there's nothing on the show. I The, the TNT radio is a very, very open robust enthusiastic free speech platform but the first question that you asked in that cluster was something about how does it affect me to see all this or dismiss something about being dismayed or something like that or troubled by what i knew or what i learned you learned and a lot through your show so i'm curious if anything opened up your doors to being more conspiratorial much like i've kind of gotten to the level of understanding population control after watching tulsi gabbard speak about the maui fires i was like fuck she's saying that well it's interesting i don't 
think in terms of them being conspiratorial or something's conspiratorial. To me, it's just a claim that I either I've studied to have an opinion about or I, I'm ignorant and I haven't had it. I don't have an opinion because I haven't seen anything. And I've become convinced of a number of things over the years that originally sounded absolutely absurd. So I'm very, very open-minded. And to function day by day can be hard because I'm just a man and I spend a lot of time alone like so many people. And it's, you know, it's horrifying to contemplate the state of the world, but I have a tremendous spiritual imagination that, that fortifies me. And like the masters in those realms say, we see what we look for. And when I trust that things are going to work out, good things are going to come my way, by that night, you know, I'll get a call from a friend I hadn't talked to in a long time. I take that as a mini miracle. I take that as a little, hang in there, brother, you know, and um, see this thing through to the end. That's the challenge because, you know, after a certain age, we do realize we're mortal. And we certainly, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know if an intense phase of suffering starts tomorrow because of a hit and run, getting hit and run over by a car. We have no idea. So every day with decent health is a great day to, to, to do what you love and to try to help others and to try to participate by giving tremendous value to this game of existence. And it has to do with our intentions. And your, you know, yours and mine are presumably, I know mine are intent, quite intentional. It's to love and adore life. That's my gift. And that's, that's what I'm paying. That's what I can pay in order to have, you know, success, happiness, and prosperity in my life is by giving love and adoration and gratitude and appreciation. And to know that as I try to empower others to enjoy life, that's how I do enjoy life. So the, the core of my whole thing, Robbie, is a, is a philosophical or existential concept that we are one. And I only have what I let you have. I only have what I give you, even if it's an interest, you know? And uh, that reminds me, this is a conversation, so I'm not going to occupy the whole time. No, no. Do you think that the world is missing love? Is it missing love? Uh, that I think that is experienced or answerable person by person. Because I don't know what anybody else is experiencing. I only know whether or not I'm experiencing love or not. And I, I also know the only love I've ever experienced is the love I have for the moment that I'm in, even when I'm alone, or the person, place, or experience that, that, I'm, that I'm with. We only have, it's like the, Beatles, the end of the Beatles song, the last line of the last Beatles song on the last Beatles album. And in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. It's going to sound corny, but is it wrong to say that I love the country that I live in, but I just wanted to see it aspire to do better because I know it can do better? Absolutely not. That's not wrong in any measure. And it's it's the solid ground you're standing on because we love, we all we give is love. A lot of people who hate and complain, they they love the things that they're complaining about, but they're twisted. They don't understand that their gripes about it are feeding it. Because love is synonymous with attention and energy, which is a life force. So 
we create what we dwell upon. So it's nice you love your country and you want it to be much, much better. And that really understates the, the amount of work you've put into creating things to improve your country, Ravi. Because a lot of people don't work as hard as you have to create, what is it, 1,500 episodes now right. of trying to unearth truths that you feel, where has this been on the media that pretends to be the giant and robust and all-powerful content creators? Where's all the truth, please? Can I have some truth, please? We got, um, hopefully there's going to be one that's going to change soon, which is the John Lennon assassination after having um David Whelan on here. I see him trending all over the place now, like on actual news networks, talking about the that it might be a second shooter in John Lennon's assassination. I was like, oh my God, I hope that leaks into the Kennedy stuff. I hope that leaks into RFK. I hope that leaks into everything of that sort. Has his book come out yet? No, it comes out end of 2023. I've heard a couple of his uh, interviews. It's most intriguing. I've heard that before from other researchers. Something funky, something funky happened in front of that Dakota building that night. That's for sure. I got to ask, because I mentioned this earlier, but with RFK, what was that like? Where'd you, how'd you even, know, did you check his tour schedule and see when he was going to be? No, months ago, I made a donation through the campaign site. So then I got on a newsletter and I got invited to a fundraising lunch up on that terrace up in Midtown Manhattan. And I paid much, you know, I, I paid to be there. You know, it was a fundraising lunch. So, the, you know, the ticket was robust and we had delicious food. And then he came out and he spoke for about, I think, an hour. And then you could just mingle. So while a singer was wrapping up the, the show portion of it, I got face to face with him. And I asked for a selfie. And then I turned to talk to him. But then he turned to look at the, the singer. And we were right by the loud. The speaker was very, very loud. So I snuck. Boop, one more selfie, you know, over my shoulder with him right behind me. So it looks like, oh, I'm just hanging out at a party with Kennedy, you know. But I'm a big fan of what he's espousing. And I still consider his candidacy a miracle. And it'll take a miracle for him to get in. And every day we get to work for a miracle if we appreciate him. Because he knows the truth of what's at stake to a phenomenal degree. And he's teaching it and he's saying it. And it centers on his accurate definition of what fascism is, the marriage of corporate and state power, squeezing everything out of us. Do you think it is going to be a possibility that he could be up there? Or do you think it's going to just be rigged in whatever direction they want to win? What I pray for is that he keeps pushing forward in the last just couple of days. He's made some announcements along the lines of the Democrat National Committee is not letting democracy function because of the way they are resisting my attempts to be taken seriously as a candidate, to qualify for the primaries, and I'm denied the chance to debate President Biden. I'm not being treated like a viable candidate. So I hope he keeps pushing that kind of pressure on it because it's it reveals how corrupt that committee is. And if more of us work for a good result there, something's going to give. It doesn't mean he's going to get the nomination. It doesn't mean he'll be in the general election. It doesn't mean he's going to be president. Those probably are remote possibilities. 
I'm glad they're possibilities because that's what the whole that's what the goal is. But pursuing that goal is putting pressure on all these systems of corruption that need to be squeezed until they shatter. And that's only going to happen when enough regular people participate. I don't I don't just don't think we've experienced enough yet for the change to happen right now. Like I don't expect 2024 to be the time we need a person like RFK Jr. I would like it to be. I just in my head I'm like I feel like we're still boiling, the water's still boiling and we got to wait just a tiny bit longer. I know you want to wait to put your spaghetti in, but you got to put you got to you got to wait a couple more either if it's a generation or so. I hate to be that person that says that I really do because as much as I've been screaming saying we need change now, um, I just don't think we need we we have the scales tipped in the right favor. I think the scales are more tipped towards hate than they are love. So I think a lot more people are fighting over each other and not everyone has gotten on board. I think another lockdown would change that. I think it would start tipping more into the skeptical side of things where people are going to be like, why the hell are we doing this again? We saw that it completely wrecked people's lives. There was more damages from lockdowns than there were from not being in lockdown. I just think we need a couple more things like good publicity for RFK Jr. Not only like him getting publicity, but also the messages he's saying that are getting on Tucker Carlson's show, his new show, all these other things, whether you agree with their politics or not, the things that they're saying are getting such wide publicity now, which they're going to be out there just like the Kerry Mullis interview I mentioned earlier. That's out there. But we just need this in the culture more so people can actually start like seeing that there's not just this one narrative. There's a bunch of things which causes people to have that skepticism of like, all right, I'm going to start looking into this a little bit and see if any of this is accurate. Yeah, and that's the great encouragement. You know, whether it's COVID, whether it's 9-11, whether it's JFK's assassination, please, 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 people look into something that interests you and then speak up when you see how it proves that these institutions that say they're working for us are selling us down the river and they've sold us down the river about so many things. Whether there'll be a backlash with lockdowns um, or whether whether we're in a race between just complacency and despair and giving up versus more people doing things to spread the truth and demand good things from our representatives, those are the those are the questions. I I fear just as much despair and people checking out with drugs, alcohol, and suicide, and just going along with the next lockdown, going along with the next medication, probably more than I fear a violent response. I think so much of the violence and anger that you see and the hate and the vitriol and the yelling and screaming is just bullshit. It's just, it's people imitating each other and it's people who have a vested interest in being mad and and doing outrageous things and so many of the pro, for instance, the protests of 2020 with Black Lives Matter was facilitated by so many institutions of power. I, I, what percentage of that was an authentic number of real people yelling and screaming and getting mad about that? There's tons to indicate, like, no, tons of that was manufactured events to all to show us. Going outside of your house is scary. You're better off just staying home in front of the TV and the computer. The umbrella man, the video they got of the guy with the umbrella who's just smashing with a hammer, walking by shop windows and hitting it. I saw that. Yeah. And then, you know, he he they they he just kept walking. They followed him into a parking lot, et cetera, et cetera. And boy, he he looked robust 
like a cop or a military guy, right? He looked pretty robust, if I recall. It's like the Jan 6 thing, the number of FBI people they had involved in there. Um, that were sitting, whether you well, you don't believe that. No, I'm shaking my head in in agreement of the what looked to me like agents provocateur. That's yes, that's exactly what it is. I mean, that happens. I'm surprised at the number of people that have phones that are recording things and able to like that's got to mess with the media is like manipulative. I mean, they always play murder stories or missing kid stories or something of that sort that causes people to get scared and think the world is a horrible, dark place. But I mean, when you go to your local bagel shop or go to a local whatever bar, whatever, do you come across all that that you see on the TV? No, no. And I'm sure there's enough of it that does spontaneously happen in so many crowded cities where there's so much poverty and despair, where there's so much mental illness untreated on the streets. Sure, there's going to be a certain amount of incidents every single day of authentic people freaking out and, and crime from despair, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we got to get money from somewhere to help out with some of this stuff because I've had a real problem with NASA's budget right now. I'm not happy with it. It's $26 billion a year. And I'm like, we could have solved homelessness, man. We could have built homes for people. We could have at least lowered gas for the next 12 generations. Well, and then the military and uh, national security apparatus totals over a trillion dollars a year. It's we're in the hands of oligarchs who make money because of war um, from well described as the national security state. I'm studying uh, Jacob Hornberger. He's a guest tomorrow on my show. He's a creator. Ah, what a great, what a brilliant guy, you know, and just spelling out the national security state that's been in place since the end of world war two solidified with the Kennedy assassination check please. And if we're going to be America, it's going to, it's, Got to come from enough people from the ground up saying, I want to be America again. Yeah. Yeah. I want my representatives to work for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want my tax dollars to go to good things. And I want us to not be a big evil bully uh, tyrant empire around the world. J. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. closed the military bases. All war all the time ever since, you know, the Cold War in the late 1940s. Give me a break, as my father used to say. If you want an interesting thing with Hornberger, ask him about this Pruder film alteration. I just read and loved his book about it, An Encounter with Eul. I had him on when I was barely into the JFK stuff, probably my third episode in. So I, I, I know so much more now about it, which I'd love to talk to some of these guys again. But You bet, baby. Yeah, no, it's a that's a great book about the film. I'm just clicking this to clear up my blurriness. And um, that's it. This book has a very, very succinct. It's a great overview of America over the last 80 years. You know, it really has solidified so much of what I'm saying over and over about the national security state. Good Lord. Tomorrow I have also Richard Dolan on UFOs. How the hell you get all these people? I go to their website. A lot of them, I go to their websites. I hit the contact us button and I submit a request a number of times until they finally get back to me. Oh. And that's, and then some, I'm refer- a one and done type of guy. I don't feel like bothering people. They don't want to do it. 
Well, son, I'll tell you the fortunes in the follow-up. That doesn't always work, but it can very, 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 very much. Now, I'm glad a person like you is doing a show. you got a good personality, and obviously, I enjoy our conversations that we have. I'm not done yet. Still got some things for you. Um, like what? What do you got? I don't know. Where's the hope, man? I'm not hopeful at all. Honestly, it's really about because obviously 9-11 stuff's coming up there, coming up here. But with documents, though, whether it's JFK stuff, whether it's whatever you want to say on any of these events, the word national security, I feel like is starting to maybe it's just me, but lose its meaning, lose its safety button. I'm seeing a lot of my friends joke about it, whether they're just getting influenced by my show or whatever. But it's as much as like fact is. Like people want facts. They want the facts. I want the facts. But what the fuck is the facts? I don't trust it anymore. Secrecy. Secrecy. You called is... me out in the beginning of this show for some Bill Gates shit. Look it up. I'm <laughs> just. No, the, the uh, national security state is, is stands on, is justified by the secrecy because there's so much danger out there. Secrecy is the poison. Secrecy is the, is the original sin of a free country. In our country, the original problem, and when I hear national security used as the as the excuse, it reminds me of this story, which I think is actually true. When Lyndon Johnson was president in the 1960s, something like this happened. He was walking around the grounds of the White House with a friend outside, and he said, "Excuse me," and he went into the, he turned toward some bushes. To take a piss. Hey, pissed on the Secret Service member's shoes. And supposedly the Secret Service guy said, excuse me, Mr. President, you're pissing on my leg. And Johnson supposedly said, presidential prerogative, son. Presidential prerogative? Really? That's what I hear when I hear national security is the reason given to exploit, abuse, and, and harm us. Nas national security. You can have see. You can keep secrets and do shitty crimes. You can commit crimes. I'm talking to the government right now. You can commit crimes with my money paid in taxes. And when I ask, why are you doing it? Or what did you really do? You tell me, Bruce, you don't deserve to know because of national security. You know what's crazy to me? Is I had a guy who worked, he left during the Trump administration, but he worked in the White House under government ethics, checking over what the White House does. And I mentioned that Johnson story to him and how Johnson used that. And this is true. And this is like, you can look it up. It's on CNN. It's on various different news sites, NPR. I don't, NPR is fucking government radio. Don't even, like, I hate using them as a source. They say they're not government funded, but I think Tesla, uh, Elon on X or whatever the app, I think it was Twitter at the time, he put government funded on their thing because there's a small contribution. It's like listening to government radio. If you turn it on, you're like, this guy's a government fucking shill, whoever it is. Um, Sorry, I ranted. Uh, but when I was talking to this guy's name is Walter Schaub, I told him about the Johnson stuff. And he goes, that sounds like a conspiracy. Don't do that. So what I did was I found the articles. I put it in the middle of the episode right when I mentioned it. And I had someone voice over it and say, read the exact article. And exactly. He blocked me on Twitter. Did not share the episode, was not, didn't never heard a reply from him. And I said, What? I confronted you with the correct information, something that you didn't know about. He called me a conspiracy person on air. I said, I swear to you, we can pause this and look it up right now. And I just showed it, proved it. I wasn't trying to embarrass him. 
But I'm like, you're in government ethics. You don't know the past history. Every president has some crazy shit that they did, whether it's Kennedy and affairs, whether it's whatever. And I do know the realistic things about the affairs. But I also know Johnson used to show his balls to people on Air Force One. And they used to call him bull balls. And that comes from his wife. So Johnson, I don't know. Yeah, Johnson is a, was a psychopath. And those are fascinating characters, you know, in Shakespeare. The character of Iago, who plots the destruction of his supposed friend Othello, is a fascinating character. But Johnson was a was a seriously sick person, and uh, any decent biography about him anymore will will show that. Um, those who lust for power, you know, he's a classic example of someone who could bully his way up to power with all the tricks in the book: blackmail, bribery, and a lot of murders related his feet. Um, People who want power over others are really, really sick. And it's we have to find ideals to aspire to. I, can, I could give a nice speech right now, Robbie, about the miracle of the founding of, of America. That, that little group of people, a very unique situation, you know, was able to establish the institutions that they established. The 13 colonies were not all uniform. They all had, you know, political factions, different opinions. It was not one golden era of enlightenment and peace and loveliness you know when you but there was enough agreement about the principles of limited government defending the rights of the people putting in writing freedom of speech freedom of the press and the right of people to keep and bear arms unbelievable take them all take every gun there's a lot of people who say that these days Rob. i'm kidding i would i i in my in my opinion my personal opinion if you take one of the amendments away you all are susceptible to fall well there's also the romantic image of america at its best is Every home is a castle. Every man is king of his castle. But out in the public sphere, we have to negotiate. I cannot bully and trample your rights. If we can't make an honest deal that's win-win, you and I should do no deal, whether we've got farms next to each other or I raise crops and you own a railroad, how do we negotiate the rates? The ideal is we honor each other's rights and the government is a neutral referee deciding our our competing claims but you throw in those who would corrupt others and you've got the you've got the history of humanity right there and yet this is what we are and what we have to deal with and aspire for the ideals you know and to teach those to our kids and it's it's probably been this fight since the beginning of time and it's the experience of being humans in any society the stakes are really high right now simply because of technology and especially in america where we've been so dumbed down that we feel powerless because we didn't make important decisions for our entire formative years that's why today 18 year olds go to freshman year of college and have nervous breakdowns and cry because they're overwhelmed by the thought that they must decide what to do for themselves 
every day. They never had to do that before, and it destroys a lot of them. It destroys them. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of stuff that I have issues with when it comes to media purporting all these things. Like, and social media doesn't help it out either, and I don't think influencers mean to do it, but they do. Um, ADHD, mental health stuff makes people. It gets up in people's heads to where it's all they think about, and they start diagnosing themselves or or come, becomes this thing where now people can't really handle problems. And I'm a big ADHD advocate. I I had it. I was diagnosed with it when I was a kid. And I didn't really kind of try and understand research of it, but I don't medicate. I just kind of try and figure out how to, it's a part of me. Let me use it to my benefit, right? Um, people can say, all oh, ADHD doesn't exist. I don't care. I'm not going to fight that fight with you. Um, but when you look at educational institutions, what's the problem then? Are you blaming the teachers? Are you blaming the institutions? Are you blaming what what's going on in the curriculum factors? Because I've heard the varying political views on it. I don't like the teachers in putting their messages of their own political ideas in their kids to where they go home to their parents. And now they're the kid and the parent have separate political views. I don't know how it gets into politics to get brought into family, but I also have a problem with the educational institutions because they're not doing enough. The government's not doing enough to support them either. I, one topic that gets me, I'm sorry if I'm going to rant on this one. Um, I got one argument on my show, actually probably two throughout the whole show. One argument was with in the beginning when I was talking to a, a, a teacher and we got into this discussion of kids shouldn't have free lunches for school. And that's a hard line for me. Cause I'm like, if the government can't toss out 125 for a hand sandwich to a kid that probably that's the only time he might ever eat, then what the fuck are our tax dollars? I'll be more than happy to pay more in taxes. If that means that goes to that, they make so much money. They, they spend so much money. There's a black budget we don't know about. And this guy told me that that was the dumbest thinking ever, that kids should get free lunches. And it wasn't until towards the end of the conversation, I go, wait, 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 you're a private school teacher. He goes, yeah. I go, are we talking about public or private schools? And then he goes, well, I'm speaking from a private school background. I was like, okay, well, kids are paying $50,000 and flying jets and all that to go to some of these private schools that they go to, especially the one that he worked at. We solved the argument. But to me, it was like that found that was my one hard line I figured out throughout my whole show was a, the kids free lunches thing. Kids, kids should be as safe as possible. I get people like the banning book stuff. I don't know what books they're banning. I'd have to see if it did whatever. But I also believe in a kid just being a kid. Like, why the fuck are they worried about who they're going to be at the age of seven, what they're going to be? I'm like, they should be thinking what Santa Claus is going to bring them for Christmas. And I know everyone's like, well, they need to like understand how the world works. I get that 100%. I do. I really do. And if you're a parent and that's how you want to raise your kid, go ahead. But I also am just like, I don't think our education systems need to be the models for what we they have to display the kid to be able to evolve in society. Because obviously it's not fucking working well. Not by any measure. Compared to nature the school experience is an abomination it's an atrocity it's a crime against humanity it's completely unnatural it's psychological warfare it's destructive it's harmful it's disgusting compared to nature and compared to our evolution over hundreds of thousands of years ideally Kids are raised by their families. Ideally, they they work and play. They play until they work with their family. They crawl all over their family just like a bunch of monkeys and gorillas. Okay? And that's how kids feel safe. And 
in their infant years and then their walking years and then their talking years, kids will go experiment and climb a tree, but not too far from mom. And they look back and they see that mom's smiling. She's fine. Then the, key, the kid knows they can climb the tree. They can go a little further, but they keep looking back until they're old enough. Mom can be out of sight and they know they have to be home in time for dinner. And we're also individuals, Robbie. So that means typically girls will take to books before boys do, but that's not a hard and fast rule. There are exceptions to that. Boys are very experiential. You know, we learn geometry like the arc of a circle by throwing rocks at each other. We're very experiential. And there's a time for books for different people. And in those cultures and societies, tribes that have been studied over years, by the time young people are adults, which classically is defined as the age they can have children, that's when you're an adult, whether they were slow or fast with reading or speaking or athleticism, by the time they're adults, they've all pretty much got the same skills. It just all blossomed and went different with each other. Also, some kids will continue to play and explore, but some will automatically gravitate toward what the men are doing. And a lot of those boys will go and just love to help and be asked to do this and go fetch another pail of water or sharpen this blade. They'll do that all day long. And the same with the girls toward the women. And of course, there'll be some boys who gravitate to the women's work and some girls who gravitate to the men's work. But it doesn't matter. It's you're free to pursue your own interests. There'll be boys and girls who just draw in the dirt all day long until someone gives them a piece of paper and pen and then they become artists or weavers or whatever because they're handling, they're seeing and they're handling the stuff of life. They're seeing animals have sex, give birth, get sick, die. They're seeing mom and dad and grandparents sew up wounds, bury the dead all day long. So by the time they're 15, 18, and having their own kids, they are. And there's no, there isn't so much anxiety, phobias, neuroses, and psychoses when humans are raised in nature to be free as humans in nature. Compare that to modern life for the last couple hundred years, which has simply been the state grabbing kids, sucking them into their mind factories that we call school, and crushing them to be, quote-unquote, good citizens, according to the definitions of the rulers of any particular modern society. Not wrong. Tell you that much. I think there's, um, I've heard this before, and I'm curious to what your thoughts on it. Do you think that there is uh, something going on that's causing people to be I don't know if it's less testosterone or something, but I've gotten, this is a little theory, but I walk into a, like a liquor store or something like that. I show them my ID. Now I have a, like a child kind of face. That's why I keep like the beard or whatever that you want to call it. And she's like, yeah, she goes, I don't know what it is, but there's just kids that are just look, they look younger and younger and younger at older ages. I don't know what it is. And then like my buddy's like, must be something in the water. And now if you know what Shanna Swan's work is, she was on Rogan showing that the number of plastic consumption that we use has reduced our fertility count by at least 37% from two generations ago by just our consumptions of plastics. They're called phthalates in the water. 
Um, that's not conspiracy. That's science. Like she's not a conspiracy person. They've just done studies to show that our consumption of plastics has reduced our fertility count from two generations where I go. I mean, it would explain, like I see kids now that are 18 years old. I'm like, you look like you're 12. Like, I don't know if it's like the child of testosterone and I'm a gym guy. So I see people on a whole host of supplements that start changing their body and doing all this type of stuff just to work out stronger. So I'm curious if you think that this is like a, I don't, I wouldn't say a dumbing of the population, but you mentioned Wally earlier. Now it's got me thinking about the people eventually leading to this point where you see the generations not being able to move for themselves. I'm aware of the drop in testosterone levels and sperm counts and in women, the I'm uh, keeping it going. Don't worry. I'm kidding. <laughs> there you go. Um, it's true. It's happening. I think it, there's a number of causes to it and it's, it's quite frightening. Um, and also the maturity, because it, it, we need lots of experience to make a lot of decisions in order to trust our judgment and to be able to do, you know, there are 30-year-olds who can't do what previous generations did at 18, 19. Get married, get a full-time job, have a couple kids, and you have your own house by the time you're 2021. 20, That's my parents' generation. Okay. Whole host of factors are different now you know, economic opportunities, but also the maturity and and things like that. So, you know, today's 30-year-old is, to me, is is like a functioning 17-year-old all too often. I'm not talking about ed very educated people. I'm not talking about upper middle class because they can be real bright and robust, but that's, that's not the majority of America in my impression. So I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I'm 25. I have friends in their thirties, 32, 33, or something like that. Women. Um, and they're like, I'll settle down when I'm 40 and have kids. And I'm like, um, I don't want to be that guy that says it and gets slapped in the face or something like that. But I thought there was like a window for that type of thing. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I just thought that was science. No, 40 is still 40, I believe, is still very considered old for childbearing. Yeah, they a say woman, like a woman, a woman wants to have kids traditionally, historically, biologically, medicinally, or scientifically. Women know women. Well, women used to feel urgent at 30 if they don't have kids. They got it. They got to get married and get some kids. I'm talking generally speaking. Okay. It's very different now and it's cultural. Because of the, the kind of mind fucking you were describing, what happens in schools with the different agendas, boys and girls are are taught to to hate each other or to compete with each other. I mean, there have been studies for ten years, Robbie, and it's much worse since COVID. How dating is down, relationships are down, have just the the frequency of young people having sex, let alone getting married, down, 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 and now Naomi Wolf is telling us live. You know, births are down thirteen to twenty percent since COVID. So, but when my friends do, my friends when they do have kids, they end up having like five or four kids, and they get really religious. I've had three friends now that have had like I think one of them's on their fourth kid. I have another one that's on their fourth kid, and I have another one that's on their third kid possibly even my brother he's on his third kid but his girlfriend was never really super religious at all and then everything i see now is a post about god and 
all this type of stuff. And then her politics start coming through. I'm like, did you go conservative on me? What the hell? And maybe it's because I'm speaking with more JFK people. So that's a lot of left people on the left side. I never usually think of that stuff. I'm always a deep state guy, but I've noticed that where they've gotten really religious, like they're not pro LGBTQ. They're not any of that type of stuff. And I'm like, wow, really? I was like, why don't you just let people do what the fuck they want? And they're like, no, that's not God's work. I'm like, excuse me, hold on a second. What? So I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's some type of manipulative thing and it just flips, but there's all around my generation, especially right now and people in their thirties is all about, you got to work on yourself, go travel, go do this. I think you should do that. But also when you're 35 and I have friends that are 46, don't have kids, you know, girls, guys, even on Tinder, I was swiping and there was a mom on there. I usually get matched with the mamas. I like that. Um, she said 35, or she, when I say mom, I mean just in that age bracket, like to be my mom, basically. She's like 37, 38, and it says, wants kids someday. I'm like, really? Okay, that's interesting to me. It is interesting. And from a sociological perspective and historical perspective, and I'm a follower, I'm a real... I'll be your baby's daddy. No, <laughs> no I'm... I'm uh like so many fascinated with why people do what they do, you know, like a, like an armchair, you know, psychologist and, and to just see and hear what are people talking about? What's the agenda in school? What's the agenda in me mainstream media? What's the agenda at higher education and the universities and colleges. And it influences all this stuff. And it is to, it is, I think a, a, a very intentional Dissolving of the importance of family, dissolving of the importance of heterosexual relationships, dissolving of the importance of children being raised by a mother and a father, and which is a negation of human nature, because you and I have a masculine and a feminine nature, just due to the ingredients that it went into making us. We just do. And for those not to be honored for what they are, fucks with our heads it lets us function less completely less satisfactorily and that's that's what gets touched about this whole issue of like and whether like all right are we going to talk about bud light are we talking about bud light do we let's do we get that well we can get there but i want to i want to honor what you described Fo friends your age and a little older having kids becoming more religious i don't know what to make about that uh there must be something nurturing about family that comes out of the christian churches and i'm assuming it's christian churches Christ, the christian religion that's what it sounded like as you described it so that's probably obvious that probably goes without saying that okay that's a that's an institution that honors and encourages family so sure why not you know my, my one friend said he saw his babies heal and knew god existed i was like really what's in a baby's heel that made you think that but apparently one day he just saw it and was like yep that's what it's what god is this is this is everything thank you i'm here i'm like all right so you're, what you're considering god is gratitude not anything else but i'm not a religious person so that's a hard argument but if we do talk about the bud light thing my only issue with that was it's a fucking beer commercial just drink a beer that's it i don't care who the hell drinks it if they're trans if they're whatever just drink a beer but they kind of tried to really do what they did. And they did this with the 9-11 thing after it happened. Um, you saw the Clydesdales running through New York. And it said, from one American icon to another, we stand with you or something like that. 
And I remember like seeing my grandpa cry at that commercial. He's like, this is the best commercial that's ever been made. I'm like, what? It's advertising and they're using a horrible event to get their advertising going. I get it, I guess. But then like Bud Light or no, what was it? It I think it was not Bud Light. It had to be um, Budweiser. They just tried to do that recently after they got blowback. They brought the Clydesdales back and they started trying to run through New York and they ran through like a bunch of scenarios that were happening again. And I was like, wow, 10 years later, you're still trying to pull that up out of the dirt, are you? Right. Well, you know, your grandfather sounded nicely hypnotized. I'm susceptible to being hypnotized by moving images, movies, and television. Um, the the riling up America with that spokesperson on Bud Light is, you know, maybe at some degree they calculated. Our national anthem has changed to the ba da ba ba ba. Is that the McDonald's tune? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm as well trained as anybody. I can name that. I think everyone jingle. got shown yeah. that a million times. Now they don't even have to do an ad, and they still you still know their name. Yeah the 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 trans agenda thing is uh, mind fuckery, um, in my opinion. I interviewed Scott Newman, who was the trans man in. The Daily Wire's What is a Woman, who loudly screams, get this agenda away from the kids, because medically transitioning from a woman to a man at 42 years old destroyed his life because it destroyed his health. And it's going to be an ongoing health problem, which he didn't realize until he went through the, the procedure at 42. It's the biggest regret of his life. And again, does does that whole agenda foster families raising healthy kids? You know, uh, generally not, because it's 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 doesn't it's not conducive to the classic heterosexual relationship that produces babies. Um, so that's all I that's all that occurs to me about that. Yeah, I'm not. To, I'm not against anybody's right to do that. I just I think surgery is very a, a very big step. You know, wait until you get a little bit like a, like I thought you can't get a tattoo before 18. You know, but I don't know. But I, I mean, I don't want to put someone in a position where they got to be like, oh, well, you're you're stopping me from trying to make my life better. I bet there are people that want to transition, and you know, I support their right, and I do that. I'm just like, yeah, but I mean, for me, I want to wait till like my brain develops and gets off to that before i start fucking i mean i work in a gym so people that take want to take steroids at a young age and they do come in a lot it's a lot more normalized now there's natural and unnatural bodybuilding competitions and i have friends that are on plenty of supplements like that are just out of the craziness um but it's it's normal to me because i'm in the gym culture but when a kid asks me about it i just go i wouldn't take them until you're older i might take them at some point i wanted to have kids first so i'm not fucking with that but yeah, but you're talking more or less about decisions adults make for themselves, okay? And which is very different than uh, a trans spokesperson selling beer. That's a tempest in a, you know, that's... that's Just drink the beer. That's all we it's need. A, it's, it's a, 
It's a controversy for the brainwashed and the hypnotized who are who are leadable by that kind of marketing and that and those that kind of cultural argument. You know, because what adults do in the privacy of their own bedroom is what adults do in the privacy of their own bedroom. I couldn't give a sh just like say it, Bruce. You know, say it. I, I I that's their business. You know, as adults, get it away from kids because it's hard enough to be, go from being a kid to being an adult. If you have a loving, sane, supportive, encouraging, enthusiastic, cheerful family to help you through it, but if like so many Americans, you've got a broken home, you've got a single parent, you've got a parent who's not there because I got to work so hard and you're being raised by your cell phone and social media, you're, your mind's going to get fucked with and it's going to get fucked with hard. And good luck for the rest of your life if you're fucked up in the head by the time you're seven or eight or nine or ten years old. Basically, classically, you're done. You've got your hardwiring of, of your winning formulas and all your tricks, all your zigs and zags about how to survive in the world by the time you're seven years old. And the rest of our life is about running those winning formulas and also bashing into the, the same problems and brick walls over and over and over because we've only got a handful of winning formulas and we've got a handful of blind spots. And those are our permanent programs. And this is based in the research of Dr. Bruce Lipton, who I highly recommend. And that's all subconscious, which is why know thyself. Why do I do what I do? Is the examined life that's worth living according to Socrates. I don't care if I'm brainwashed, but I really do enjoy when those Budweiser frogs come on the screen. They're like, Budweiser. That's a good commercial. That's a great commercial. Nobody could tell me different. Me and my grandpa used to laugh our ass off to that commercial. Thank you for that memory. It was delightful. <laughs> I had to um, I had to end it on something funny. No, Bruce, you've given me enough of your time, man. I do appreciate you giving me your time. Seriously, I know we talked a lot longer than you probably expected, but I do appreciate it. It's always a good time chatting with you. Um, is there a place where people can find your links to your book, to your, uh, your show that you have as well, too? And then obviously Trying Day um, Publishing. Thank you. At brucedetaurus.com. Folks will find everything I want them to find about me. You know, how to get the book, how to find the radio show, tntradio.live, and uh, things I post there that I want people to think about. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to link all those links in the description. It's been a pleasure chatting with you again, Bruce. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Stay tuned.